Hello and welcome to another weekly podcast from Hilltop United Methodist Church in Mankato, Minnesota. If you're in the Mankato area, join us every Sunday morning at 10.15 a.m. If you'd like to learn more, visit us at MankatoHilltop.org. To ground our time together, uh, we're going to read part of the second creation story. And then I'm going to invite a couple people from our church up here because they're going to talk to you a little bit about conservation. But before I do that, before I read this um, passage from Genesis, this is from the second story of creation. There's two stories of creation in Genesis. There's the first one that talks about the seven days of creation. God, on the first day, he created this. On the second day, he created this. You know that story? That's the first creation story. The second creation story is different. God doesn't create in days like that. He makes this garden, and he puts two people in it. What are they called? Adam and Eve. And then they eat from the tree, and then there's that whole thing of the snake. Okay, we're going to read the start of that story. It's the second of the creation stories recorded in Genesis. Here it is, starting in verse 4 of chapter 2 of Genesis. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flows out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divides and becomes four branches. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Belium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gehon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris which flows east of Assyria, and the, four river, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. Okay, I need to start by telling, we're going to talk about something ultra-conservative. I don't normally do this. Sorry, that's kind of a joke. It's Conservation Sunday, <laughs> right? Like ultra-conservative. You were thinking political, weren't you? This is not a political sermon. I don't mean it like that. In fact, Oftentimes, conservation becomes politicized. Do you believe this? Do you not believe that? Take that, put it on the shelf, because we're going to talk about the Bible. <laughs> and that might have political implications, but like how we care for the earth, that is all in the Bible and our mandate as creation uh, to take care of it and what God has given us and all that. So the interesting thing here is that just it's, it's so important about creation that we don't have one story, we have two. And for some people, that feels like, wait a minute, why are there two creation stories in the Bible? I think the reason there are two creation stories is because God wants us to take creation seriously. 
Each of them talk about how God is part of this process. And in this second one that I just read from, what is Adam made out of? Did you see it back there? Adam is made out of the dust of the ground. Essentially the dirt. The dirt. Can you imagine God scraping up some of that dirt, breathing into it, and then us being formed? We remember this every Ash Wednesday when we talk about our death. Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So there's, we have this unique connection with the earth since the beginning of time. Now for everyone sitting in this room, I'm guessing, unless you're a farmer, maybe if you're a gardener, you probably don't get your hands very dirty. <laughs> you're not digging in the earth, except for maybe some of the kids, right? You're out there in the sandbox or whatever. But so many of our ancestors, people throughout creation, have spent most of their life with their hands in the dirt. We are the ones who don't have that history. Or very, we, we, we are very, it's very rare to us. I am probably the last of the generation that grew up with the family farm. Because now all farming is corporate. There are still family farms, but they're run as corporations, and there are several thousand acres. But you don't have to go back too far in American history to know that most people had, they either grew up on the farm or there was one in the family. Either you were on the farm or grandma was on the farm and we went there every Sunday. When you think about this grand scope of history, thousands and thousands and thousands of years. We've only had electricity for what? You know, a little over 100 years. Hardly any. And so much of our life now is removed from all of this of the earth type of living. Here's the interesting thing about modern society. We were created out of the dust of the earth, according to this story. We have lived off of our labor of that earth for generation after generation until the last 100, 150 years, truly. We now are removed, sitting in this sanctuary, lovely, has air conditioning, has these wonderful lights and technology, that's great. But everyone before you, your great-grandfather and, and older, would get up in the middle of the night, light a lamp or a candle because there was no electricity, would farm using their hands or having, have to use their uh, hands to cre create and, pr and provide for their family. Of course, there are modern and ancient cities. But, you know, back in the day, when you needed a loaf of bread, you couldn't just run down to high V. You had to bake it. Where'd the wheat come from? You had to grow it. Notice how far we are removed from that today. Maybe that's part of the challenge of growing up in the world in the 21st century is we were created for this type of living, this sort of like salt of the earth living, this close to the land. We were created to wake up when the sun came up and go to bed when the sun went down. The daylight was long during the summer hours because that's when you needed the long daylight to plant and to nourish and to take care of all the crops. And then in the winter, the daylight is short. So you get to sleep in. You get to take all of that stuff you have stored away. 
whether it was canned or whether it was stored in a granary or whatever, and you pull that out during the winter months. You know what I'm talking about, that agrarian lifestyle that so many of us today know nothing about. So after the 1980s, most of the family farms went away, and now most people, like my kids and the kids that are here, just think, you know, chicken comes like pre-deboned, vacuum-sealed package, right? But some of you know what it's like to actually butcher chickens. I mean, it's kind of fun. Not fun, but uh, it's not fun. But it's a necessary part. It's a necessary part of living. Can, you know what I mean? Because when, when you have to raise that chicken and you have to care for that chicken, then you care for it in a different way versus just buying it vacuum sealed in, a, in the freezer section of Hy-Vee. When it's that far removed with it, what they do to the chicken, you almost don't even think about. Is it right the way that they, wait, they, they raise chickens today? There's a debate about that. But when it's your chicken on your farm and you named him Harry and he's going to become chicken noodle soup, you have a different relationship with the food that you eat. Do you see how far we are removed from all of that? Yet in the Bible, in the stories of creation, it's almost like God is saying, hey, care for the earth. Care for the way that these things are brought together. Care for the ways that you care for the animals and the plants. And so what we want to do here at Hilltop is take that into consideration. How do we care for the plants, the animals, and the way that we also get rid of our garbage? Now, we have the convenience of being able to put everything in a little brown bin, putting it at the end of the curb. A big truck comes by and takes away, and you never think of it again. But for those of you who have traveled to third world countries, it doesn't work like that, does it? What do you do with the garbage there? It piles up. Think about it. If great-grandfather was here, and you could ask him, what did he do with his garbage? He reused it. First of all, there wasn't all the plastic packaging because plastic didn't exist back then. But then at the same time, there maybe was a garbage dump on the farm. There maybe was garbage that was burned. And then much, much, much of it was reused. We had to reuse it because there was no place for it to go. So modern supermarkets, modern garbage dumps, uh, modern industrial farming practices, all of this stuff is so different than what it has been throughout almost all of history. So we need to start somewhere. We need to start somewhere. We, we, we feel like we need to care for the earth. We need to make as much uh, as we can to conserve the natural resources as possible. So I'm going to invite Don and Steph Poots here up here. Don and Steph, if you'll come up, please. They're going to tell you a little bit of some of the steps we are taking as a congregation. And you're going to start thinking right now, I think we can do more. You're right. We're starting with some baby steps. That's these three bins here. And I think Steph will probably tell you more about some of that stuff. So uh, Don and Steph, come on right up here. Come right up here. And here's the microphone, Don and Steph. Take it away. Thank you. Morning. As Pastor Matt said, uh, God did, did give us dominion over the earth, 
but it's our responsibility to care for it as he cares for us. So we at Hilltop feel that it's important to do more as a church to live out this responsibility here in this place by being more intentional about recycling and composting. And we hope that this will carry over into and encourage others to do more at home and in their workplaces. So this recycling bin, we've had a recycling bin at church for a long time. It's been in the back, and, but now it's front and center so people can see it and use it. Um, all of our, and we've been changing over things that we purchase here at church. So all of our uh, plastic beverage containers are recyclable. So after you use a plastic beverage container here, put it in the blue bin. And our other, pla other plastic containers, like if you're helping out in the kitchen and people bring in donuts or whatever, and you're not sure if it's recyclable or not, you have to look on it, and you look for the little triangle. If you find a triangle with a number in it, then it's recyclable. Sometimes you really have to search. Like the other night, I had to get Marshall with younger eyes to find the triangle for me, because <laughs> I searched everywhere, I couldn't find it. He did, it was like this big. So thanks, Marshall. So if, if you can't find a triangle on it, then it's not recyclable, and it goes in the garbage. But so, plastics with recyclable symbols on them go in here, but also like aluminum cans, glass, the usual stuff. But not plastic stirrers. So if you stir your coffee, we'll, we'll be switching over to uh, wooden stirrers when we run out of the plastic ones. But plastic stirrers, candy wrappers, um, other plastic things, potato chip wrappers go in garbage. Um, so composting, that's a new thing, but it's important. We started out, uh, when was it, was it January-ish? We started out by just, we got a little bin, little container from uh, Mankato Zero Waste with just composting our coffee grounds and coffee filters. And that was easy worked well, didn't smell. It was real easy. Um, and then I would just, I'd bring it home and throw it in our compost. So then a few months later, I was like, let's go bigger. Go bigger, go home. <laughs> so, so then Michelle ordered these bigger compost bins. And um, several months ago, we brought these out and started using them in our Wednesday night suppers. And we instructed the people that came to those suppers, what goes in here, what goes in there, what goes in there. Um, unfortunately, we didn't give an in-service to people who don't go to the Wednesday night suppers, so everybody else is clueless. So this is your in-service now. Um, and there, there are pictures, too, above the bin, so that helps. Um, and if you have any questions, please feel free to ask me. Uh, other people that are in the know, uh, I mean, a lot of other people may know, but I know Britt Klein knows a lot. Uh, Sean and Blake Bloomquist are, are good. Don now knows because I've trained him. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's learning. <laughs> Bonnie is good. Anyway, so in general, f f any foodstuffs can go on there. So if you take a bite of something, 
you're full or you don't like it, whatever, that goes in there. All of, all of our um, paper coffee cups can go in here. However, if you grab Starbucks or Caribou before you come to church, please don't throw it in here because they, they haven't gotten the memo. Theirs are not compostable. So theirs go in the trash. But they're, they're cardboard sleeves. Um, if you can tear those off, they are recyclable. But, so all our, all our beverage containers are either compostable or recyclable. So the coffee, coffee cups go in here. All our paper plates are compostable. All, all napkins, tissues, paper towels, all that stuff is compostable. Um, the, if there are muffins out there, um, the wrappers are not compostable. But what else? Um, so there's, there's a learning curve, and that's why I dumpster dive every week to <laughs> sort out the, the stuff, but that's what I do. Um, and then they, they pick up the recycling and the garbage every week, you know, like they, they do at your house. Um, and then we take the compostables just over to the um, uh, City Organics dumpster on, at the um, Public Works Center on Victory Drive. Um, you can also, if you, if you start composting at home and you don't live near that one, there's one um, down at Sibley Park near the uh, animal, animal impound. Uh, North Mankato is by the uh, recycling area up there, <clears throat> and also Lake Crystal um, at the rec center. They have comp uh, composting there. So please do what you can um, while you're here, and, and uh, if you want to try it at home, it's, I have some resources if you're interested. Um, by the way, last Sunday, several of us went to the Moondogs game. It was a great game. They won. It was fun. They have no recycling bins at the, at the, the ball field. I was like, well, what's wrong with this? So I went home, and I was like, so who do I write to? The Moondogs or who? The uh, city, city of Mankato is the ballpark. So I searched, and um, they have a... The city has a sustainability department, and we're a sustainable city. I'm like, okay then, well, I need to work on that. So I emailed the, the man in charge of sustainability, and I'll let you know if I hear back from him. So but I thought, you know, that's something easy and important to do, because they sell lots of beverages in, you know, plastic bottles and aluminum cans. That's, they can do a lot. So... Take it away, Don. All right. Um, one other thing I'll add to the composting. We have a little compost bin in our backyard at home that Stephanie started several years ago. And we only use that for plants and uh, salad waste and things like that because a lot of these other things like meat scraps and bones and other things that can be composted, they don't work in your own backyard compost at all. So what we do for that is we started doing it in the garage. We put a little bin out there. Well, it started to smell. 
It attracted flies, maggots. Ugh. It was just icky, <laughs> icky, icky. So what we did was we bought a, a bin that we actually put bones and food scraps, and then we stick it back in our freezer, and, it, and they're frozen. And then when the thing gets full, we take this big frozen block down to the compost thing, just dump it in. It's really, really easy. It's really, really easy. Well, a um, few things I want to talk about here are how she converted me and how I got into all of this with composting, recycling, and all that. I remember back in college in the 1970s, I was at Colorado State University, and I observed a friend that was washing out, rinsing out pop cans in the bathroom, in the dormitory. He had 50, 60 pop cans. And he was washing these out and rinsing them. And he says, oh, yeah, I have to wash them out because they begin to smell. And I take them down, and I get some money at the recycling center. That's the first time I really heard anything about recycling. So he got a little bit of money from the aluminum. And early on, they were made out of steel. So you had to take the steel ones to a different spot before they really got to be made out of aluminum. And then I, I was a mechanical engineering major in college, and I did a paper on river mechanics during my engineering studies, and I saw how much damage we do to our rivers because of the things we do, things we add to a river, pollution, diversion stuff that we do from rivers. It affects things upstream and downstream. And that was just a real example that made me begin to think about the environment. Well, my biggest thing that converted me was, again, Stephanie. When we got married, um, I observed family members reusing plastic bags. Well, I thought, well, that's kind of weird. You know, we didn't <laughs> reuse our plastic bags and washing plastic bags. I even heard about an aunt of hers who she'd wash the plastic bags, and if it had a hole in it, she put scotch tape on the hole so she could reuse the plastic bag again. Well, we didn't go quite that far. But at one point, I hated washing those plastic bags. I almost hoped there was a hole in them so we could throw them away. <laughs> but eventually, I realized that this was a good thing to do. Um, recycling more materials and capabilities developed, kind of like Pastor Matt talked about a little bit. You know, we started to see more and more things you could recycle in the 90s and the 2000s. They started labeling things. They still have a lot of things that are mislabeled or not labeled very well today. Um, we reuse a lot more. So I used to be one who would just, let's get rid of it and throw it in the dumpster. Well, I don't do that anymore. We try to reuse it or find someone else who can use it. Or if it doesn't work anymore, I love demolishing it, taking it apart, pulling out all the metal parts and the other parts that can be put in metal recycling. And whatever you can't recycle, we have to throw away. Um, and then she talked a little bit about the composting, what we do at home and in the county. So she changed my life <laughs> and the way I look at all of this, too. It seems hard. It seems tricky. There's a lot to remember. But once you begin to learn it, it becomes a way of life and it becomes a habit. And then we can do our little part to take care of God's great earth. Thank you. Thanks, both of you. Uh, we're going to pick up the story in Genesis right now, because I want to show you one more thing before we go. Thanks, Don and Steph, for that. Um, starting in verse 15, right where we left off. This is another key, important component of this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. 
The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat it, eat of it, you shall die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whichever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and all the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This, is, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one should be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Holy Scripture. And that's how Steph became the recycling queen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don, she saved you. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, but, but here's the important thing about that. God said, it's not good for us, all of us, men and women, to be alone. We were created for this community together. We were created to live in community with one another. So much of our world is so individualized today. But here's the thing about it, and I know you don't think like this because I don't. I open up that package, I eat something, and I throw that garbage away. What does that say about the community of people I have to live with? We all now have to deal with that. And it's very hard in 21st century America, specifically here, because we're so individualized, that to think about how we care for this together, that we're not meant to be alone, that how we care for and steward the creation and the garbage we create and things like that has an impact on people I don't even see. Oftentimes, it has an impact on those people in third world countries who are burning off the electrical cords we throw away to gather the little bits of copper they can to sell. And we don't see that. But it does affect the community we live with. And so this is just a little bit of a calling for me to say, let's step outside of our individualized way of thinking. Just me, and I only have to worry about me, and I'm not going to think about anyone else, and recognize that how we shepherd this world impacts other people. We are a community together. So when the garbage takes it off, and, and, you, and you don't even really think about it, just remember that is impacting other people every time we do that. And so we need to think and care for that, and how we shepherd that. All right, that's it for today. I'm going to pick up more next week because next week I'm going to talk about the first creation story and how that also plays an important role here as well. Thanks, Don and Steph, for helping us, giving us a little in-service about the baskets. And believe me, you'll still have questions and you can ask them. Thanks for listening to another podcast from Hilltop United Methodist Church in Mankato, Minnesota. Don't forget to visit us online at MankatoHilltop.org.